Mm-hmm. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everyone. We have a very exciting guest here today, Keith. How you doing, Keith? Good. Very good. No complaints. Oh, man. It is an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show, man. <laughs> it's been a while. I've been trying to get you on here. Quite a few people I've been trying to get you on with, man, right. have been backing out and all yeah, this stuff. Yeah, but. I can handle it by myself. I That's what I figured. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's why we're, we're doing this and everything. So, how you feeling today? Good. Great. Blessed. Wait. Awesome. I'm glad you are. So, beginning of the show here, I tend to ask my guests a few questions, kind of get everything flowing and all that stuff. So, we'll, we'll start off easy with uh, one of the favorite questions I have here. If you could have any superpower in the world, what would it be? A superpower? A superpower. Or to help help kids, help kids like uh, and how how would you do that? Um, would it be more of like a, like a healing or something like that? Humanity, uh, kids that are hungry, homeless, hungry, homeless, and yeah. all that stuff. Okay, yeah, that's uh, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people want to fly, right, and all that stuff. A lot of people want to super well, strength. Growing up, I, when I was younger, I used to. Imaginary walk through the hallways shooting like Spider Man shooting webs up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Good. Good stuff. Uh, All right. Let's get into another question here. Let's see here. What book has made the biggest impact in your life? Are Are you a big reader? Do you like to read books or anything? I read books. I read the Bible a lot, and then uh, one of my favorite military books was uh, Robert's Ridge, about a soldier. It was a special forces team in Afghanistan that um, they got caught in a firefight for like 14 hours and they couldn't even move. When they, what happened was <clears throat> they did an area recon on top of this mountain. Yeah. They said everything was good. Yeah. And secure when they scanned it area, air wise from the sky, but then they didn't know that Afghanistan soldiers had already plotted in case they landed there. Really? And they were already ready. Yeah. And this kid, this guy survived. One soldier, I think one or two, one soldier died, but this guy survived the fight instead of being wounded or anything. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Those wow. Those are my favorite books. Wow. That's good. Uh, myself, um, the uh, the book that comes to mind is Extreme Ownership. That is written by uh, retired Navy SEAL Jocko Willink. He is uh, also a podcaster and entrepreneur and all that stuff. And uh, that was one of the main things that I really took out of it was owning a lot of things, pretty much owning everything in your life, in the mm-hmm. world, like even the mistakes and actually admitting that you have mistakes and all right. that stuff, which a lot of people are very stubborn and mm-hmm. all that stuff that don't admit to their own flaws and mistakes. And right. I feel like you can learn from your mistakes. You're not always right. You don't always have the right answers. Mm-hmm. That's how life is. You're, you're just learning as you go pretty much. Yep. So I, I feel like that has been a big impact, especially uh, Jocko Willink himself. Uh, he's also one of per, uh, one of the people that I emulated pretty much to create this podcast and all that stuff. So that's pretty interesting. Good stuff. Let's see. Question back here. I'm just going ahead. And if if people if people come with a warning label, what would yours say? They come with a warning label. If people had a warning label, oh. like if there was a warning label on my forehead right. or across my chest or 
bubble or yeah, something like that. Red flag. <laughs> I have to be careful how I approach it. Man. So yeah, just like in real life, it's called discernment. You know, you can tell when somebody's blowing smoke up your butt or not. You have to use discernment because, like I said, you just gotta really exactly sincere or just yeah. you know trying exactly. to get over. Yeah, if they have warning label, then it's already pretty evident. Depending on what type of warning it is, if it's extreme, <laughs> extremely hot or cold <laughs> or something, then gotta watch out. Know how to approach them. So, what would your <clears throat> warning label be? I would be uh, proceed with caution. Proceed with caution. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, mine would probably say um, uh, over overthinking. 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 Yeah, I do a lot of. Uh, I overthink a lot of things. Right. Not too much action, which I'm trying to change in my right. life and all this. That's stuff, a so. form of procrastination. Yes, absolutely. So that's that's definitely. Um, but I do like to, I don't know, I, I do like playing the game chess. So I do like to think like, you know, three or four moves right. in, in advance. It's kind of like having. You play computer or you play with people? Uh, I used to play with people online right. and all that stuff. Like there's an app on my phone. Right. I used to play with a few few people, but it just kind of like, I don't know. It, it was just too much time on my phone and right. all that stuff. So I kind of like stopped yeah, it. And kinda like, yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah, I, I did a I did an episode um, earlier with uh, a friend of mine, Gina. She's really good. She's like a life coach and all that stuff. Um, but I watched this documentary on Netflix. It was called Social Dilemma. Uh, one of the guys that um, we used to work with, or I still work with, he mentioned it to me. He's like, "Hey man, check check this out." Blah 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 and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I watched it, and it was talking about how social media and everything is a, an addict, pretty much making people addicted to their phones and everything. Oh, big time! And all that stuff, big time. So that's something that um, yeah. that's part of the problem. I feel like mm-hmm. nowadays with uh, society is right. that social media. <clears throat> that stuff. It's funny you mentioned that when we were in groups at the rehab. I'll make a comment. I said before I start a group, I said I appreciate it if you put your phones away. I said, it's two sayings. The Bible says, man, shall not live by bread alone or a phone alone. I said, can you please put your phones away? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's such a distraction. And I told him, I said, it shouldn't be with parole, probation, drug. You should handle that on your own. Not doing groups. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. I got you. Uh, just to give <clears throat> a little bit uh, of your information, you work for rehab, right? Yes, I work for behavioral crossroads. Behavioral crossroads yeah. and stuff. But we'll get into that a yeah. little bit later. That mm-hmm. that that'll be the main topic of the show. Just so people are like, "Oh, this guy's in rehab," or you know, all that stuff. So to kind of like, you know, you know, quell the people like, "Oh, this right. guy's in," you know, he works for rehab. And right. all that Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Let's see here. Which trip and where did you go change your life for the better? I've been on a lot of different vacations. Dominican Republic, Mexico, Riviera Maya. Other than those, I went to Montego Bay, Jamaica. Probably the 
trip that changed my life was probably Iraq. That trip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a whole different experience versus vacation. Well, yes. I yeah. mean, that's something that that yeah that changed your perspective on life yeah. and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Stuff. But other than that, normally I go to DR or uh, Mexico. Mexico? Or, or, yeah. How is Riviera Mexico? I, I've never been to Mexico. It's nice, real nice. Riviera Mine is nice. The resort. Everything's right there. You don't have to do anything. Everything's <laughs> right there. So you go to the resort, right? Right. Um, I heard you don't really get the experience, like the real culture, until you actually leave the resort and all that. Well, stuff. you can go downtown or go there. You got to watch where you go. They recommend exactly. certain places like you go down to the stores, things like that. The culture itself. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I did when I was in Iraq. I have a book that shows all the cultures of different, uh, like the Sunnis, the Kurds, the Shiites, yeah. the different beliefs, religious beliefs, and different people, cultures, mm-hmm. things like that. But nice. in Mexico, you could pretty much do that. Or when we went to. I think we went to Puerto Rico and then uh, Cayman Islands, <clears throat> and I look always look up the history of the slave ships and and, and uh, slavery through those yeah. countries. One, the biggest one was uh, Barbados. They had a giant, giant statue of a slave guy with the chains broken around the circle, mm-hmm. called a roundabout, and. Uh, Part of the, on the island, then they have a plantation where it was an old uh, house where the owners lived. Yeah. And the slaves came and worked. It was a weird story. So when we got there, we went in, and the girl said the left side of the house they had a fire, but the left side of the house maintained. The whole rest of the house burned down. So they went to the they went to the townspeople, and they had to get more artifacts and everything. Yeah. Then up the hills where the slaves lived. See the trail coming down. She said, but it was weird because the whole left side of the house stayed intact. Mm-hmm. That's and I, crazy. It was weird when you walked in this plantation house. It was like, wow, it was just, <laughs> it was just a strange feeling. Wow, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. So that was that was uh, very interesting, you know, like that. So when usually I go on vacation, I always try to look at the culture where you go and learn about. That's pretty you know, good. Yeah. Uh, soon I'd like to like travel overseas and different countries right. and all that stuff and kind of like experience their cultures and everything. Um, now for me, when experiencing other cultures, I I tend to feel like uh, like food is a big thing. Right. So is there any type of like foods or something that you really enjoyed when you're? When I was in Germany, uh, I enjoyed the Danish was outstanding. Every day once we got done training, I'd go down to the Danish shop. <laughs> <laughs> and then we went to a guest house one time and the best was the veal schnitzel. Okay. A, original and it was like that thick. And then the guy came out and says, I have a surprise for you and it was a plate full of French fries. French but the veal schnitzel and the French fries the size of a turkey plate. It wasn't regular size wow. plate. That's how big it was. And the Sar Major and the uh other stars mm-hmm. were eating knockwurst. It looked like a giant slab of spam with the jelly on it. And it was oh, just yeah, trying yeah. to eat it. Ah. I'm like, ah. I'm looking at it. I'm like, it, to me, that had like a super-sized pork chop to yeah, spill yeah. schnitzel. But it was good. But when I came back to the States, they had a place in Fort Dix, but it doesn't taste the same. Man. Nah, it like it's it. never tasted the same. But yeah, and the uh, beer is warm off the tap. But the Danish uh, is really good. I used to go every day. Interesting. Interesting. Well, 
on to our main topic here. Basically, Keith, you are you were in the military. You right. served in the military. I want to say thank you for your service. Now, that's what we're going to be talking about. Your military service uh, and talking about the pros and cons of it, how you felt about it, what changed your life and everything else like that, the experiences. And uh, we're going to talk about it for someone that's going to possibly that's thinking about joining. Right. That maybe you would help them, encourage them to join and right. whatnot. Okay, so we're going to start with you and ask you what branch did you serve in? I was in the Army National Guard, and I started in right out of, before I graduated from high school. I okay, did a, um, they had a different name for it. You could sign up ahead of time and go in advance. So August of that year, when I graduated, I went to basic training. Went to Fort Knox, Kentucky. Okay. That's when I still had my afro and my goatee. <laughs> and then you sit in that chair and there's like four barbers that's like they're like ninety years old. And you're just shaving your head. Three swipes. And they'll ask you how you want it. And like a dummy, you answer the question. Oh, can you keep it low? Or you know what? And like three swipes. And then uh then add a little tail too. That was a shag back in the day. People don't know about that. No, yeah. no idea. <laughs> and I remember the day to the T, I had on a green, had on green plaid pants, a green shirt, and a green vest suit, and penny loafers. Or pennies, at least put the pen, actually put, put the penny. So <laughs> we're standing there. They call you rainbows when you first come in. Really? So y'all meet up at the airport to get there, and this guy comes running up. Not NCO, not commission officer, the kind of name you know. Yeah. He got a little helmet and everything, screaming at you. Like, uh, you guys got a choice, you rainbows. You got a choice to take those clothes, put them in a donation bin, or you can ship them back home. <laughs> wow. Interesting. So for, uh, supposed to be there for four months. And then um, what happened was Fort Carson, Colorado, opened up their training. room. So they needed soldiers, so they made Seven of us, they said, we need seven soldiers. Made us lay in the street, take our shoes off barefoot, and the cockroaches would just come. <laughs> they said, okay, you guys, one, two, three, four, you seven are going with us. Pack your bags and everything. So here's another change. I'm now in Fort Knox thinking, oh, I'm supposed to stay here. And then um, <clears throat> now going to Colorado. So we went from Kentucky by bus, got to the airport, then we flew to Colorado. Okay. So for two weeks in Colorado, we had to wait the cycle started. And uh, all you did for the first two weeks is just sit there, two sheets in a blink, tighten those sheets up and go to child. Once training started, that was it. You go on then. And that was 76. So a different type of drill instructor training now versus so what we have now. <clears throat> what year? What year did you join? 76. 76. Now, when did uh, when did Vietnam? Vietnam ended. That, yeah, that was already ended. That, that was already done, right? Yeah, that, that already ended. So that was already done. Right. So, um, <clears throat> what was what was one of the reasons, the main reason why you joined the military? Something different, you know, growing up quiet, and uh, you know, I saw opportunities because it's funny the guy that recruited me recruited like twelve guys in the neighborhood. Okay, we all went to school together. You all so went to school together and everything, and you yeah. grew up down here in South Jersey, right? Right. Okay. Well, I, I grew up in Miami, back and forth, and then most of my time was in. South Jersey. Okay, I got you. Interesting. And um, what was your uh, your MOS? 
when I first went in, we were scouts, 19 dollar scouts. That's what we trained as in Colorado. Scouts, okay. <clears throat> so you do a lot of land nav, you do a lot of walking, do a lot of uh, land nav involves map reading. Uh, you gotta learn the basics, first aid. Yeah. A lot of training, a lot of foot walking, and then you become a scout. They call it. Was there any type of like initiation or like, um, what do you call it? Like a test, pretty much for you to. No, you had, yeah, you had to get tested. You had to pass the base training. The main thing is the PT test. You got to pass the land nav test. All the requirements that the army gives you at the beginning. Because you get trained by a regular army when you first go in. So you get training, get all your basic stuff done. Yeah, learn all drill ceremony. All the basic stuff. Okay. Gotcha. Interesting. So, how was it, like, um, at that time, like, joining? Well, 76 there- at that time, it was it was a different time and era because uh, the drill instructors. Now, when we went through, the drill instructors um, were a little more stringent, more strict. They, they would yeah. tolerate. And they were a little bit more physical, right? And more physical, right. So, And then being out in Colorado, they were more physical. So they didn't take no backlash, no disrespect. They taught you strict discipline. I got you. Yes. Yeah, so did they, you did you get some strict discipline? No, I was a, I became a squad leader. No, ah, squad leader. You're straight and narrow and all that I stuff. Was straight and narrow. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I was like my twin brother say L seven. We used to call him a square all the time. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, I was squad leader, and then um, <clears throat> developed your leadership skills at a at a young age. So uh, it was fun, you know, because you have your good days and bad days. Now, out in Colorado, the uh, 7,000 feet above sea level. Yeah. So the clouds would come down to the top of the door. You walk outside that door and the clouds are clouds right out there. there. <laughs> so now the drone truck says, oh, you guys ain't getting away. We'll start training at 3.30. We'll just change the shift 3.30 to 11.30. <laughs> so you see the clouds or... You got sometimes you have the hailstorms. You see hail on the side oh, of the quarters yeah. coming down. What part of Colorado? Uh, Fort Carson. That was right near Colorado Springs. Colorado Springs. Okay. Or NORAD. Was it really cold? All that stuff. Oh yes, they had the cold moments. Huh, man? It's <laughs> it gets cold out there. Lots I know of snow one summer it snowed twenty-seven inches. A guy yeah. just showed me a picture the other night. Uh, he was from Colorado. He said, "Johnson, look at this picture. Snow is about eight feet high." Man. Yeah, it got so cold at night when we got permission to run, uh, start a fire, and the tent was like brick. You gotta touch the tent. Really? How cold it got, man. Then along with that, you got coyotes, wolves. You got all, all nature out there, which is cool. But when you wake up the next morning, you see all these footprints Tracks. around the tent. And the drone truck says, "You guys thought you were alone last night? Look around the tent. You see all the footprints from the coyotes and." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and the snakes galore. Oh, I bet, I bet. I, with the snakes, I became the PT champion in my platoon. Oh yeah, the drill instructor used to play tricks on me all the time with snakes. Really? Yeah, definitely, definitely afraid of snakes. So I became not now. I'm not, but yeah. I mean, if I see them, I'll deal with them. But when when base training, one time they called me to the office and they said, Private Johnson. Yeah, I don't know what it is about New Jersey. They love taking on people from New Jersey. Do like chocolate chip cookies. I'm like, yes. And uh, <laughs> he had a brown paper bag, and he goes, "Go in there and get some." My wife made some. It was a snake in there. I bust right through the office. 
Oh man, doing jeez. That, oh, like deep. get back here. Then a couple of times we be marching, we just throw them up in there and then hope they uh, hit whoever in the formation. Landing on somebody. All Thirty guys just spread out. The four cars is a big post, so when you're out there in the field training, it's wide open. So once they threw the snake in there, you had thirty guys just running for miles. He's like, "Get back here, get back!" And I was like, <laughs> "Then another time, I was sitting down eating in the grass, and he already had killed it." And he goes, "John, John, got something for you." I'm like, "Oh, oh man, yeah. you already knew." So he ended up taking that one and cooking it. Oh, okay. And passing it around, tastes like chicken. <laughs> like that, yeah. So, so what, yeah. Is, what is one of the strangest things you've eaten? What's that? When I did, actually, with the snake, I played a good one. I moved to the back of the formation. I was supposed to be up the first squad leader. Okay. But when he said fall in, when I know he's giving out snakes, I ran to the back. <laughs> <laughs> so since you told you said that you were deployed in Iraq, right? did you eat any anything well, weird out I there? Ate in Iraq was the, they still make the bread from the oven. The ovens. foot bread? Yeah. Yeah. And it looks like pancakes. Mm-hmm. So some of the soldiers brought me that, and they had this. this uh, looks like banana pudding dip that they used to go with the bread, but it's so bland. It's like, ugh. you got. <laughs> I guess you got a quiet taste to it. Then uh, one guy had some Iraqi candy, but most of the tribe was the bread. Uh, really? My job was different than the rest of the guys, so I didn't go out that much. Okay. I was in charge of the whole camp. I had eight hundred people. I was in charge of. I got you. Four units, 800 people. So I was called a pad manager and get your chops busted out there because they call you a fob, but they call you a ton of names. Yeah. But when they need something, hey, Sean Johnson. Yeah. This. So it got so bad, I put a whiteboard outside my room and told them to write down because they would come to my room. Or every time the power would go out, Sean Johnson, I already knew. So I worked along with a KBR and Ingersoll Rand. Those were the big uh, companies, construction companies. So every time there's a problem or something, or maintenance problems that they would they would call me up. So I was in charge of that. I was in charge of all the safety on the uh, camp. So out of the 800 personnel in the 265 rooms, we had to change all the out the plugs. Okay. Everything ran off British electricity, yeah. and people were getting shocked. So they brought a team over from the United States called the project was called uh, mm-hmm. uh, Operation Safe, where we had to switch over to. Uh, Get away from the British electric. Right? Okay. Yeah. And they had to convert all the boxes and everything. So I had to get for every room a special adapter. You need a converter box over there in order to uh, run your laptop or electrical devices. Otherwise, you just plug them into the British and they would just blow. Oh. Yeah. So. Yeah. So you said you first went in as a scout. Right. What other? What other? Uh, well, scout, but then I had different jobs. So when I first went to scout, when I, by the time we went to Iraq, we got switched over to infantry, eleven bravos, which is similar, the same thing. Scouts. So you said when you went to Iraq, I, when I went to Iraq, we were eleven bravos. But okay, when you get to Iraq, your duty changes. So what happens is your duty changes according to your rank. I gotcha. So me being a seven, when I got there first, on to you in charge of this whole camp. Okay. So every weekend I would go around and we'd have to shut down every top, the little tactical operations center at the headquarters and uh, reboot everything because everything ran off generators. Oh, okay. When I first went around, they would, you know, who are you? You're coming in here. Yeah, doing all that stuff. I said, well, if I don't shut it down, you're going to blow it. Yeah. So they got used to me coming around every, I usually go around on, I think it was Sundays or Fridays. The weekend Mm -hmm. I would go around and then we shut it down, just reboot it. 
Because when I first got there, you could feel the surges coming through my room, and I was a little hesitant about going to sleep. I was like, because everything ran off generators. <clears throat> Interesting. And then I go around with I would do all the inspections, and another sergeant assigned to me, and we would uh, I would have to do all the room inspections. Okay. For all two hundred and sixty-five rooms. Man, yeah. that's a lot. Out of eight hundred personnel. Yeah. yeah so you had civilians and military personnel. Okay. Yeah, a lot of army contracts. You have people working for different companies. Interesting. So let me ask you a question: Um, where Where were you at when nine eleven happened? I can remember that day exactly. I was yeah. I I remember that too. Twenty three. A twenty three. I was hanging out by a five. Okay. And my officer went and they left, and uh, May said Johnson. You got to come here and see this, right? So, based on mom, you know, went back again. He says, "No, you got to see this. This is serious." So the inmates we've been watching on TV. Yeah. And uh, when I seen it, man, my head just got a serious headache. I had to go in the SDR. I was like, I was just waiting for the military to call right away, but we didn't get activated till almost like a month later. I got because they were still grasping everything that was going on. So as you're talking about these uh, things. Uh, I also want to say that um, you were a correctional officer for uh, one of the county jails here in New Jersey, right. which I want to keep nameless. Uh, I don't want to say that. But um, you worked at the county jail as a corrections officer for how long? 38 years. 38 years? Yeah. And you retired. Good. Right. I want to say again, thank you for your service right. for that as well. Right. I mean, that's that's a very tough job. I mean. Uh, so you were working at jail, and some of these inmates were telling you that something was happening right. on, on mm-hmm. a TV. You went in there, you saw it right. as it was happening and all that right. stuff. It was, like, shocking because you couldn't believe it was actually happening. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I, my head, it was funny when it happened. Uh, I, got, I couldn't believe it was happening. I actually put some mice on my head. It was like an SDR. It's funny. I said, this, is, this can't be happening. It's yeah. Going back and forth, you know, and then we're just waiting for it. Everything that developed from that point to what was going on. And we went back and forth with the unit. Then they finally called us out a month later. Really? So um, when did you go to Iraq? I went to, from 2008 to 2009. 2008 to 2009? So pretty much after the 2003 when everything started off right. and all that stuff. But I have been activated back and yeah. forth. After I got that. you. Yeah. We had been, I had already been out for... A year on uh, state active duty. Okay. Yeah. So you were doing all all right. types of mm-hmm. stuff in right. in the states and everything. Right. And then you went in two thousand. You said two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh. So how was that? Like, was that so was that the first time we did a year train up because we we had yeah. trained up like almost thirty four hundred troops. So each unit designated train the trainer. So it was okay. me, captain, the first sergeant, and maybe maybe ten other guys. We Went through the training first, and we brought this, the units in, then we trained the soldiers to get certified. Okay. Uh, big Army. Big Army verified everything. You didn't, nothing was illegitimate. It was all legit. Interesting. Yeah. You had to go through all the training. Okay. Primary first aid, weapons training, all the basic stuff they need to know. So how was that going overseas for the first time, like getting off the plane and all well, that stuff? like, how was that feeling? Well, we went to Germany before that, but this one's a little different. Yeah. So it's like 50% fear, 50% anticipation. Like 
okay? But that's what you train for. So yeah, we got to keep absolutely. that in mind. That's what you train for. So they, they, you got to go with the flow. Yeah. comes to you. Pretty much. Yeah. They can't speak to you. You got a lot of more soldiers who, like your special forces, all those guys are yeah. real heroes. Yeah. <laughs> we're still like, even when they went early, 2000, 2004 was one of the biggest. That was really a real serious battle. I take my hat off to all the guys, the Marines, all the guys, Special Forces guys, all those guys. Yeah. Even your contractors. Yeah, yeah. that's you tough. You a lot of civilian contractors over there working. Interesting. So um, have you met any of these Special Forces units or anything like that? No, just certain soldiers. Just certain soldiers that, that were imported? You know, trained with. I trained with trained some with of them. Trained with them and all that stuff. Okay. As a human, we just have fun doing training. That's it, man. training. Everyone's just pretty yeah. much human. What's that? Everyone's human. Like, oh, yeah. It's, it's a human all, factor. We do a lot of cross training all together, and, and everybody just there to do the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. All for the same cause. Yeah, yeah. They don't treat you different. Everybody respects one another. Respect your uniform. Did you ever go back to Iraq, or was that the only time you went? What's that? Was that the only time you ever that went to Iraq? the only time, yeah. Okay. Interesting. And, um... What are some of the, um, we'll say, the negatives? Like, a lot of people don't want to talk about the negatives and all that stuff mm-hmm. for going to a combat zone and all that. Would you be willing to touch upon that and, like, talk about it? Really a not bit? much. I mean, it, it's, you're there, you do your training, what you train for, and then the goal is to get there safe and bring everybody back home safely. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. But, I mean, some of those, uh, like, that high stress level, has that affected you? In your pretty much daily life and all that stuff was how you were you able to deal with the stress? No, it and all really that? wasn't just you could you train to do your job and you could just do your job. I mean, if we had soldiers that identified as having issues or something, we had help for them. We, yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Give them help. For the most part, everybody just trained. They already trained because you trained up to that point of what you would be going into and coming back. So, not too really too many. Uh, Problems like that. Yeah. Unless the soldier had a problem, somebody would get him the help. Interesting. And uh, when did you retire from, from the military? 2016. 2016. So when you got in, what, you said 70? 40 years. 40 years in the military. National Guard. Yeah. <laughs> Long time, right? <laughs> I'm 41 years old right now. You pretty much were, <laughs> were in the military my whole life, right. pretty much, I'd have to say. Or that whole expansion. Right. And you were a corrections officer for how long? Right. 38 Thir- years. 38 years? Right. And when did you start uh, as a correction? Originally 81, and then once <laughs> I became certified, civil service, 84. 84, pretty much. So you started working at 81. I was born in 82. <laughs> 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 Look at this huge generational right. gap and all that stuff. Right. And I had the pleasure of actually working with you. Right. And... um. During the time that I worked with you, I looked up at you as a leader and all that stuff, someone to learn from and everything else like that. And you've taken all your experiences from the military as well as a corrections officer, and you are now working at Crossroads right. Rehab, right? Mm-hmm. And you're able to share your experiences and all that stuff well, with people? The, the experience with that comes from my personal experience because um, working law enforcement and then working in rehab, the clients prime on that. Even though I explained the clients all in one circle, law enforcement and drug addiction are one, two. Yes. In the courts. It's from my, my sister died from drugs. And stuff. So that's, oh, wow. that's the whole reason why I started my program. 
Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's tough. And man. she was doing seventies, eighties at a different time, you know, oh, where wow. it really wasn't much drug treatment like it is now. Yeah, now you, absolutely. Now you have drug treatment centers all over the place now. Before, you know, like I said, she drank a lot, and then, uh, you know, her liver gave up, and the doc said you can't replace it. Man, that's tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, I, you know, I tell a lot of people, and I used to tell a lot of officers at work, I said, you got to be careful. I said, how do you judge the inmates? I said, because, I said, um, you can't put yourself above them. Okay, even though they're there for different charges and everything, I said, yeah, be careful, because everybody has dysfunction in their family, brothers. Someone's gay, someone's homosexual, somebody's an alcoholic, someone's drug addiction. There's yeah. some issues going on. I said a lot of people don't want to own up to that. You know, they want to try to keep it hush hush, but it's reality. You see it every day at work. At work, you play different roles. You got to be a social worker, you got to be a father, you got to be a brother to some of the inmates, or something like that. Situations, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I try to tell people be careful how you judge because it's easy just to cross that fence to get on the other side. Yeah. Um, but I've seen it happen. Someone. I'm sure you, yeah. Someone can make a mistake of getting, you know, having too much to drink, right? Driving in a car, right? Accident happens, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yep. God forbid, nothing, nothing of that does happen. Right. Hopefully, everyone is, you know, smart enough to, right. you know, use an Uber right. or call a friend and all that right. stuff, and mm-hmm. don't take those chances right. and stuff because the risk and right. reward and all that stuff is just. Right. And then some people get. And like a lot of people use correction as a stepping stone to get in the career, but still at the same time, the law enforcement, you got to be careful. You can't go above the law. You know, oh, you yeah, absolutely. Because you're needed to that, you know. So, and I'm sure you've seen all that throughout yeah. your years of mm-hmm. how many people, right? you know, they, they take that right. authority and all that stuff mm-hmm. and they take it too far. Right. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of times, uh, from what I've seen, and I'll never forget this. Uh, when I was in the academy, uh, someone said to me, "If you can't follow the law, how can you uphold the law?" Right. And that was pretty powerful when he said that stuff to me. So, like certain people I've interacted with, was it a drill instructor or whatnot? And you know the things that they said, like like some of these things, like really stick out to me. Right. And that that's one of the things I was like, man, mm-hmm. you know, that's pretty good. Right. Like if you're not following the law. How can you uphold the law? You know, I do I do speed and all that stuff. Right. So I mean, I'm sure everyone does speed, but <laughs> at the same time, right. you know, yeah. you really I I try to live a good life and all that right. stuff and, and try to follow the law as much as possible. So yeah, a, a lot of it is fear, fear of shame and all that stuff mm-hmm. on myself, my family, right. and everything else like that. So I do, you know, I have all that. I guess fear drives me to to stay on the straight and narrow right. path and all that. But um, out of all the years of your military service, your service in law enforcement, what kept you going for so long? What sense of like, what sense of like purpose did you have? Well, wanting to help people. To help I mean, people. When I grew up, I grew up in in Miami. I grew up in the inner city, so I saw a lot of violence. I got robbed, jumped by gangs, and all that yeah. stuff. Just almost city life. Some people and things, pretty know. much, yeah. And I said, I don't want to, I don't want that lifestyle. So I got older and I was always reading. I really wanted to be a detective. I always used to read True Detective books all the time. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to be a detective and stuff and all that. And then I had a little stint with police department that didn't work out, and then went to the sheriff's department. And then from there, 
direction. Interesting. Always wanted to um, do something to help people. No, that's good. That's good. And you're able to, you know, pretty much you have a sense of purpose by right. by helping people out, by doing these programs and stuff. Because right. mm-hmm. you also uh, did outreach right. for uh, juveniles, right? right? Mm-hmm. Because I feel like that juveniles are pretty much, or, you know, children. Right. You know, they're the most impressionable, and right. I feel like they're the most misguided. They need the most so, help. And they do need the most help yeah. and all that stuff. And so, yeah, when I was at Harvard Fields, I was the warden was nice enough. He actually uh, warden council helped me out a lot with my program there and supported me. Yeah, and everything. And uh, I was at Harvard Fields for like six, seven, eight months working with those juveniles, and it was yeah. tough because a lot of them already experienced life. They could sit down with you and and, and help you out with their lifestyle, what they've already been exposed to. Then from there, uh, been out to doing um, community outreach. I do program presentation in the community. I actually, I have moms or parents call me up and I work with their kids. I have my own life skills program too, but at individual classes. So I sit down with that kid, and whatever it is disrespect or behavior or something, and work with them. Mm-hmm. Usually it works out pretty good because after a while they're like, we don't need to see Officer Johnson anymore. I'm doing good. Ball and tripping, and I'm doing good. <laughs> so it's funny. I call some kids up. Like, he don't want. He's doing good. He don't want to talk to you. He's doing good. And I said, All right. <laughs> but I do it in a constructive manner. Cause like with scared straight, a lot of people refer my program. I said my program is not scared straight. I kept uh, people kept referring it, and I said no, my program is about awareness. Operation Wait, we're on this thing together. I said because it's about awareness and just showing the kids that if they make the wrong choice, this is happening. So when I I was at Vienna High School for five years, and I went to Folsom School for four or five years. And I, one day I was standing in the hallway, and the kid came up. They're running beep by to the gym, and the kid come up and said, Dr. Johnson, Dr. T. Wilson came up. He came to my school, man. Messed up on the weekend. He listened to what he said. He said, but I didn't listen. Now I'm caught up in jail and stuff like that. Yeah. Because I always remind him, I said, just that one weekend, can get you, you know, in trouble hanging with the wrong crowd. Oh, absolutely. PPT, people, places, and things. People's places and always, things. Always get you in trouble. Exactly. And now you, uh, we had a couple of young juveniles. It's sad because you see the same juveniles from Harvard Fields coming over to the jail. Oh, like yeah. Like a graduation. It's like a middle school to high school. And then uh, colleges to prison. And it's sad. You know? And a lot of those kids are in a broken system, especially from their home life. You know? Yeah, that's tough. You have any uh, success stories that someone that you actually changed their life or perspective? A couple of kids I talked to, a couple of people I graduated at, at the rehab. They graduated. One was an Army soldier. Had a, actually had a correctional officer, so he was from that graduated. He had problems. Yeah. I had a mom with uh, cocaine. She was born into cocaine. Yeah. You know, she's addiction took over. She came back and graduated with her. Got a help with a diaper. Yeah. yeah. So I see a lot of mainstream people come up and say thank you. you know, Absolutely. Helping me out and, and, and doing that, doing this to try to help people. Yeah. That's good, man. It, it, it feels like a, a sense of accomplishment and yeah. stuff, mm-hmm. helping people and all that stuff. I have and some people I don't remember. You know, say, hey, thank you. They always see me at Wawa and say, thought process. They always see me about the thought process. <laughs> so so you've, helped, that. you've helped so many people, man. Yeah. So they remember that and they'll say, thank you for your thought process. I'm doing good and all that. 
but even a couple of kids I talked to in the jail early, they only had minor offense. And I said, you can join the military. I ran the one kid. He goes, hey, I'm doing good. I joined the military. Told him what to do. Another thing I try to tell people, too, is I said, nowadays, if your kid wants to join the military, it's a great thing. It's not a bad thing. But some kid's going to. I remember I used to do recruiting. Some of the kids said, well, we're going to go to war. And I said, well, let's take an oath. You're protecting this country. Okay. And uh, I tell them, now, if you're going to go in the military, get a job that's going to help you on the outside. Don't do it like we did years ago. We put on the war paint and the camouflage and yeah. run through the woods. And <laughs> when you retire, or what job are you going to do with that? So I said, try to get in military police, intelligence, electrician, or something uh, that's going to be rewarding on the civilian side. They just have to score higher on the test bet. That's yeah. Position. So I'm trying to get a civilian, a job that's going to help you on the civilian side. Mm, interesting. Join the military. It's a good thing. It's not, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. So you get, get, get discipline and a, a direction in their life. Yeah, that's the that's the benefits of joining the military and all that stuff. Having structure right. and everything else mm-hmm. like that. That's good. Yeah. So you would, as you were saying, you would suggest that to younger kids that right. kind of like don't really have a, a, pe- a path in life right. and all that stuff. And, you know, no, it's funny years ago, the judges, people always ask me that years ago in the late seventies, the judges were sentenced to juveniles to the military. Yeah. Now it's all changed. Yeah. Now. Back so in the day, say, they don't bring that back. Said so no, it's all changed. Now. It's all voluntary. You know? Yeah. Back in the day, it was right. either mm-hmm. go to, go to prison or right. go to, uh, go yeah. to military. Mm-hmm. Like some kids I know go in and they'll do the first four years, say, okay, that's enough for me. But at least yeah. they got the four years and they taste the military, you know, see if they like it or not. Then yeah. they make it a career. And some people I know, they'll do the whole 20 years, 25 years. Yeah, absolutely. And as, as you go through, they move up in rank, your schooling and everything. Mm-hmm. And all that. So there's plenty of opportunity in the military for schooling, for education, college, all that. Absolutely. A lot of benefits. Yeah, good stuff. Um, real quick, do you have any, um, anything you would like to, uh, share with the audience out there about anything of, um, we'll say law enforcement nowadays, because right now the public's eyes of law enforcement right, isn't yeah, it's really, it's really bad, really it, bad, it negative is, the perception is bad. And I had a client the other day and I had to tell him, I said, look, not every police officer is a bad police officer. Okay. You do have bad apples. Yeah, but majority of these guys go to school the rest of their life, and they have families too. I said, so they're human too. And uh, you gotta understand that. So I said, it's a two-sided street. You know, you can choose. Just like life is made of twos, you got hot and cold, right and wrong. I said, so you guys know the law. You know, but you got people who now try to twist it, turn it, uh, especially with the uh, bail reform. So some people don't want to go to jail. Yeah, that's not working. That's something that's in New Jersey that we have to, it's going to have to be adjusted right. and all that stuff and, uh, and figured out. For the most part, and um, people need to respect them. Like with, uh, seeing where a lot of towns were um, doing, they wanted to do away, defund the police. Mm-hmm. And now some of them regret that. That was going on in Seattle. But you need police, oh, yeah. you need law and order. You got to have some type of law and order. You know, and it's just that. You brought up early about the phones, the social media, and all that. A lot of it is just so much negative influence, you know, especially with younger teenagers and everything. Everything is social media, the phones and everything is just yeah. it's terrible. So the way that you're seeing since you've dealt with juveniles 
I've dealt with juveniles a little bit. Do you think there's any hope? <laughs> is there the, hope for the, the future? The hope for that is the parent drugs. Yeah. They're, the, they're the first teachers. Yeah. The parent drug and they're the first teachers. You got to observe behavior, learn behavior. So they're only going by what the, what the sad of a kid's brokenness is raised into a home where it's just one parent, you know, one mom struggling or something like that or a broken home and stuff like that. But there's a lot more resources out there now than ever before to help yeah. families. Okay. Yeah. A lot, lot more resources. Absolutely. And that's, I think, you know, that's one of the biggest things is that, mm-hmm. that there is help out there. Right. It's just finding the help that right. fits mm-hmm. you and all that and stuff. And parents have to be proactive too. You know, mm-hmm. Some people just like to teach on the system and think it's just going to happen. No, they have to get involved also. Yeah. yeah There's a lot of kids I work with. I tell parents, you got to get, you know, you got to be involved too. In the kid's life, you just can't shut the kid away. You know, because you, you just did, first you got to identify that behavior and see what's going on. Yeah, yeah, I think about that too. And a lot of it that we we've seen right. recently is the uptick in mental health and right. all that stuff. Oh yeah, and that is, uh, would you say that's from like drug addiction or, right. mm-hmm. um, what would you what would you say that's from? Well, you have drug addiction. You have people with mental health issues. So the mental health the issues. The danger part of that is, is people with mental health issues are taking psycho psychotropic meds for their mental health and they mix it with. Legal street drugs, and you got oh, yeah. women. That's even more dangerous. So it adds on top of their mental right. health and all that stuff. And then now, the problem is now with the drugs, with the fentanyl and uh, fentanyl, cocaine, meth, uh, meth is making all comeback. That now the drugs are cut and make so bad that you know it's altering the brain. As soon as they get the quicker addiction now than before. Oh yeah, you know I mean? or one bad pill, one bad mm-hmm. drink, one bad trip, and then. There they go now. They're you know just messed up for life. You know, yeah, it's sad. You know? Yeah, it is sad because there's uh, I've seen quite a few, a lot of talented people, you know, right. artists and whatnot, and it's all thrown yeah. away through you know either alcohol or right. drugs mm-hmm. and all that stuff, and just yeah. the wrong mistakes and all terrible, that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's terrible it's and it's really sad because what it's doing to society. You know? Yeah, absolutely. You feel bad for the children, but uh. That's the main thing we got to worry about, children. Yeah, yeah, because they're very impressionable and all right. that stuff. Mm-hmm. And as you said, you know what they see is what they right. pretty much learn. Mm-hmm. So, and they're always right. watching because they're always and then with the social media on top of that. It's just social media like, and their influencers right. and all that you stuff. Know, so you got a lot of subcultures too, where those kids, you know, they're doing things, you know, their own way or watching to emulate other people the wrong way. You know, you want to be cool this way, that way, and may not be the right cool. Absolutely. I actually put a program on my. Called being cool in school for the kids. Okay. And it's a PowerPoint that I use when I go out to the school to see how Interesting. cool they are. And I question them. Like, if they're that cool, I said, then are you, do you have straight A's? Are you helping the teacher out? Are you helping out at home? Then you see yeah. their hands drop. I'm like, well, if you want to be cool, then be the right cool, not a cool fool. You know? Yeah. Like that. <laughs> that's so, cool yeah. fool. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, pretty good. I cover that. On the- do you still do that stuff? Do you still go out to yeah. schools and everything? Mm-hmm. That's good. So you're still actively right. helping out in the community right. at the uh, Crossroads right. Addiction Recovery, as well as um, you know going to schools and all right. that. Right in the colleges, I do go out to college too. Colleges as well. Yeah. I just good do a stuff. display, and then I just they tell them about uh, jail life, you know, experience yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Trying to help reach one so people don't make those same mistakes. Absolutely. Especially nowadays, you know, so the whole system is crazy. I tell them you try your best to obey the laws. You know? Absolutely. 
yeah. getting in trouble with the law. Yeah. Well, we're gonna we're gonna wrap the show up in a little bit. Um, do you have anything else out there that you wanna you wanna say to anyone? No. Covered a lot. Yeah, we did. We did. We went through your pretty much your whole uh, career, military, law enforcement, um, your outreach program, and all that stuff, and helping out in the community with kids and college students and everything else like that. And I want to say again. Thank you for your service and your continued service right. in the community and helping us, right. you know, become better and all right. that stuff. Appreciate it. All right, sir. I want to say thank you very much. Right. And if you guys got anything out of this show, write something in the comment. Uh, reach out to Keith. Are Are you on Facebook? Yes. Yeah, you are on Facebook and all that stuff. Um, I'll put that information in the description below and all that. Right. So if ca- in case anyone wants to reach out to you right. for any type of information yeah. and all that stuff. Um, share with your friends and family and all that stuff. And on top of that, hopefully, hopefully you had a good day. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.